0: On this episode of in the house we sit down with wade lombard this episode is a continuation of episode 10 in which we discuss five points you can use to establish a culture in any organization that is grounded in excellence follow along as we discuss more about the home care industry and the next five points of wade's presentation we hope you like this episode if you do share with a friend and give us a five-star rating thanks for listening Welcome to this episode of In the House. Today we have Wade Lombard back again for part two of our discussion. So, if if you're not aware, we had Wade on previously a, a few weeks ago. I think it was episode ten. Not like we have a whole bunch of episodes to begin with, but if you go back to episode ten, uh, that was Wade Lombard, and uh, we had a great discussion with him. Uh, we t- we talked about sort of his his background with. Uh, square Cow Movers, and and how he came to Austin, uh, and sort of how he, he transitioned into the home care industry. So, Wade, welcome
1: back. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I think if I were, you know, it's been 20 plus years since I've dated anybody, but I think the threshold for success when dating is probably the second date. If you oh. get a second date, you guys have asked me back, I feel like our relationship's deeper, for sure, you're you know this is this is meaningful. So thanks for having me back, and I didn't expect it, but it's awesome. No, here.
0: of course No, I'm, And again, I'm very appreciative of your time. So I'm I'm glad you were able to make it back. But yeah, this so so this discussion. If if you're just picking this episode up, I really encourage you to go back, listen to the first episode. Uh, Wade gave a, a, a talk where he went through. It was called Cows and Culture, and he went through ten points of,
1: um, how, how would you describe it? What were these 10 points? You know, so much of what I am, the content that I'm typically thinking about and the content that typically comes to me is really focused around human nature and the culture of an organization. That's what really feeds my soul is what makes people tick, especially as it relates to a single organization and when everybody's paddling in the same direction. And that's what I love. Yeah, awesome. Well, so we're going to continue this again. This is
0: part two of that discussion. So we're going to continue with the next, the first episode we got through your first five points. So we're going to go, you know, six through 10. But before we dive into those points, I kind of want to talk more about the home care industry. So as we talked about last time, you know, you, you, you and your family started Square Cow Movers and you, you did that for what fifteen years? And just then under, yeah. Just under fifteen years, and then so now you've moved into the home care industry through Douglas Construction. Um, can can you t- kind of elaborate on that? Like, what is home care? Like, what is the goal?
1: And like, what what does your day to day look like? It's a great question, Lonnie. I I ended up in the Dalglish construction conference room through a very weird series of events of friends who knew David, and they had, I was on a run with that friend, and he had a conversation about this idea about home care, and literally what led me into that conference room was me saying, I would love to learn more. And so before I dive into answering your question, I want to be really clear that I'm still figuring it out myself. Unlike the business that we started in 2008 and I did for almost 15 years, I feel like that industry, that business, that field is something that, you know, if not an expert, I'm certainly someone that knows a great deal about it. You know, you might consider me a scholar in that particular industry. But I'm still figuring this out. Sure. But it fascinates me on a couple of different levels. So here's the idea. Most homes, not to mention the kind of homes that Dowlish builds, um, have a litany of things that need to be done on any given day. Mm-hmm. From the most minor things like replacing an air filter, uh, for an HVAC system, or cleaning an ice maker, or fixing a, a stuck door, or something like that, all the way to finding a, a leak in a wall, or in irrigation, or finding um, the reason that some something's dysfunctional about your high-end appliances, or maybe a drywall repair. So most people, including myself, I don't live in a large house. My house is about 2,600 square feet, but I always have about five to 15 things that I need to get done at any given time. Yeah. Now what I've realized is this is pretty universal. And so what we're combining is there are these really high end luxury homes with this litany of things that need to get done. And I believe, and this is up for discussion back in the 1980s, there was, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous and how big of a house can you get? And you have all these nice cars and, It was about overabundance. I think things have changed. I think luxury today, they're still building some big houses, but I think luxury today for the most people is convenience. Mm. They want a phone with all their their shows and their ability to open doors and lock doors, internal lights. (laughs) They want somebody to come clean their pool, cut their grass. They want convenience. That is luxury today. I don't think this is going away. I think people are going to continue to lean into this thought of, I want to outsource most of the things in my house. And so in steps, this idea of home care, and it's a team of technicians that are focused on taking care of people's homes to whatever degree they would like for the house to be taken care of. Now, the, the key to this specific business, I believe, is a couple of things. First of all, we have a relationship with this homeowner. This is not a transactional relationship. So you call Roto-Rooter because you have a toilet that's messed up. Very transactional. You call somebody you do not know. You make an appointment with someone else that you do not know through that person. That person you do not know shows up. You have to meet them at the door. You have to show them the toilet's not working. You have to explain this is the noise it's making. That person goes and fixes it. Then, literally while they're there, you swipe a card. It gets paid. You never see that person again. That is not what we're offering. That's not what we're interested in. We're interested in people who we have relational currency with. Hmm. And that means we know who their housekeeper is. We know their dog's name. We have a key to their home. We have access to their property gate. To me, the best pool guy on the planet, you never see. But the pool's never green. It's always blue. And that's really sunk some, somewhat the idea of home care is we come, we get in, we get out. Most of the time you don't even see us, but that drywall is repaired and it's just all done. And all you're doing is communicating the, the list of things that need to get done. Certainly, that's not always, it's a little bit idealistic. Usually we're pulling the client into some degree to let them know what the progress of any particular project is. But that's generally the idea, taking care of the home and being as invisible as we can um, and as communicative and relational as we can with the client. So are these homes, they're just Douglas homes? That is the current situation. Just DCC homes. Now, do I want to expand outside of DCC homes? You better believe it. Of course. And um, you really need to perfect before you duplicate, though. Yeah. And the the beauty of this business is it's been going on for a long time and we have a bit of a runway because we have existing clients and it gives us the opportunity to figure some things out for the infrastructure because once we figure the infrastructure out scaling becomes possible so
0: what are what are some challenges i guess that that you currently face on on the home care side of things
1: yeah it's if i'm a mason i am providing this pretty much the same service every single day you get really good at masonry now the type of material changes and maybe the the, you know the scaffolding certain situations will change depending on what job you're on but for the most part you're you're continuing to do a very similar thing yeah well this could not be further from the truth with something like home care you're doing something different almost every day almost every single day which means you need to be a jack of all trades and then the next part of that is typically a ma- but a master of none. Hmm. Well, I don't know that we have the margin with this type of client to not be a master. So we really need to be a jack of all trade in, and to be a master to some degree to be able to meet the, meet the standard of this type of client. This is a really big challenge for us. So to what degree do, can we meet that standard? That's we're still figuring out. The other thing is... Scheduling becomes really hard with these type of things. Something you think is a small, hey, I just hey, I just need you guys to come in, fix these three things. We're like, great, we've done these types of things before. We're gonna be there for a day and a half. You're there for three weeks because something turns into another thing, and then the client adds this. And so scheduling is definitely one of those things we're still trying to figure out, and we have not we have not figured it out. Finding laborers uh, that or tradesmen that know a little bit about everything is a really big challenge. And I've been talking to Adrian about this recently Mm -hmm. and how to track these kind of guys down and what they look like and, you know, what appeals to them. Um, And so I don't think once we open Pandora's box with clients that we're going to have a hard time selling this to the clients out there. I think people want this. I think... It's around some of what we're doing and some of the staffing that we've got to figure out and we're not quite where we need to be yet in order to open it up. So if, if you do expand, I guess
0: beyond just DCC projects, I mean, is this more like is this like a handyman service? I mean how do you distinguish yourself between like this is this is home care versus, you know, you're just a handyman completing a, a list of items that, that the client had. Like if you were to, if you were to grow that and expand that, like, yeah, I, know, how well, would you I that? think
1: that's a really, really insightful question. And I think it's a bit nuanced. I don't yeah. think that I think this, you're, you are, you know, kind of, um, you're drifting into the body of water that, I don't yet have clarity on yeah. about how to, to distinguish those two things. Because home care, um, the the words itself, which matter to me greatly, the vernacular that we use matters. And, and when you think about home care, it feels a bit more personal and comprehensive. Yeah. And as you just said, way that, it sounds like a lot of what you're listing feels like a handyman service. Um, And I think there's probably... A happy medium there between those two things and, and discovering that. We have nailed down kind of what we feel like our offerings are. And, um, but that's nuanced. That's a tough thing for me to answer at this stage. I've been eight months in, mm-hmm. and for me to be able to articulate that would be pr- probably
2: pretty tough. And I, I think at its core, the original core of home care was th- th- these are larger than your average house. And the maintenance manual, the manual, the homeowner manual is an encyclopedia. (laughs) And part of home care's original goal was we'll provide all of that maintenance that otherwise gets overlooked. Right. And you forget to change the filters on certain things out of sight, out of mind. Right. So to give the client, to to your point, the the convenience (laughs) of taking care of all that so that they show up and that product looks just like it was driven off the showroom floor each time you show up right. and then kind of to your original point it's we were here for this purpose well while you're here that's right could you go ahead and do this that's right, right.
1: yeah yeah it's more it's more dental hygiene where yes that's a our, good way to our, do it. <laughs> you know it's one of the few things that's not reactive when it comes to our health our our, our dental hygiene most people are proactive about taking care of their teeth they, they they go to the dentist before they need to, mm-hmm. but we're not like that with other things. <laughs> you <laughs> you wait till you, you <laughs> wait till you throw your back out before you go see you know the doctor or whatever. And so, uh, to a, to a great degree, home care would operate in its most ideal form as this kind of preventative care. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal, guys: that we live in a fantasy world if we think our clients are just saying. Hey, take you know, take care of my home in this proactive way. The the lion's share of the things that we do are reactive. And this tension to manage, not a problem to solve, is how do we manage the tension with the client is hey, why don't you let us get in here a couple times a year and just make sure things are operating properly before they break?
0: And it's so it's it's basically the the client can tailor the service according to their needs, right? Like That's right. is it is it something where it could be done monthly if they want, or yearly, or you know, yeah, biannually? It's it's whatever they want, right? I mean, That's
1: right. So so the clients that so our three offerings have, as we have uh, uh, started to to present them are preventative maintenance, which is what we're talking about now. The client can often choose how regular that the. the they want us. Most of them are, are semi-annual. A couple of times a year we go in and we check. And this is the list of things we check. Um, we do have a couple of clients that don't live in town full time. And so they have us do more regular checks because they don't live in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that represents a very small percentage of our total revenue. Most everything is the next, which is what we call targeted tasks. So the first offering is preventative maintenance. Then it's targeted tasks. That is... Hey, this toilet is running. Hey, this floor got scuffed. Hey, this you know stairwell. Well, uh, you know the kids were sliding down it, and now it needs to be readjusted. The third is one that we're really been leaning into quite a bit lately, which is project management. And project management is it's bigger than a targeted task. It's not preventative maintenance. It's hey, you know I need uh, all the flooring done in our main house. Uh, you know we need that project managed and Mm -hmm. we'll go in or we had a we have a client right now with mold remediation we're managing that project and not just making sure the mold is taken out but also rebuilding part of his house that that got damaged and so we're really leaning into some of these bigger projects and it's becoming a a pretty
2: big source of revenue so I got two questions mm -hmm. go for it yeah one what is the most common overlooked maintenance item, which you find. That's good. And then what's the most common repair that a customer asks <laughs> you to do? You know, this is where I wish Lucas was
1: here. Um, he can answer this, which is a gentleman that works and has been in the field for um, home care for a number of years. He's amazing. He's great. He's wired perfectly for the the, the business, and he's truly a, a, a talent that um, I'm glad that we have. So the, the honest answer is, I don't know. I w- I'm not there yet. And those are the things that we'll study over time. I will say that we have not been as good at keeping data as I would like to help derive strategy going forward. And so these are some of the things that I believe I was brought in to do, which is answer those type of questions. Track things mm-hmm. because how great would it be if you're a potential client and we walk in and we say, hey, if you don't use this us for anything else, can we just put these five things in front of you and say these are what we're finding to be the five top things that clients overlook? And we think that if you have us come in and do these two th- these things two times a year. It's going to save you X amount of dollars over time. If you choose not to, that's totally fine. But that's smart. That takes years and years of tracking some data to be able to put mm-hmm. in front of people and see what what the needs are.
0: That's smart. Yeah, and I think that kind of plays a little bit into my question was, what changes
1: are you hoping to make and what impact are you are you wanting to have? So, so much of this is about the things that I enjoy. I have always, I've been in home services now for 15 years. And serving at a high level is something I really love. And when the culture of an organization is focused on serving, there's a difference between Chick-fil-A and Burger King. Mm. One has a culture of serving that's unparalleled. You go into certain hotels or certain department stores or certain places and you're like, serving matters here. Those places are very attractive to me. Beyond just where I spend money and then I like people, I I find that to be intoxicating and something that I love to replicate. And so the idea that we are a phone call away, they know who we are, they trust us, and that from the time we answer the phone to the time that that thing is fixed and we're leaving their house, the client has 100% certainty that we have their best interest in mind and that we know what they care about that is what gets me out of bed in the morning i really really love it so to me the aim is obviously we need to grow this business because that's what healthy businesses do they grow yes we need to um you know look at all the different things that a healthy business looks at which is You know, our net margins and our staffing and what it costs, what what labor is and materials and all these things that we are focused on. But in the end, the impact that I want to make is the same level of detail and focus that's put into the home when it's built is the same standard of detail and love that's given to the client years into the house while they're living there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, very well said. So let's, let's kind of dive back into this cows and culture discussion that we were having. So, um, I just want to recap, you know, the last episode that we did, we, we went through five points. Um, the first five being sweat the small stuff. Uh, over communication is a myth. Uh, it's attention to manage, not a problem to solve. Hating customer service, yes sir, and uh, don't do crazy. That's right. So mm-hmm. um, now we have uh, the next. The next one being,
1: um, can you answer the question? What are we selling? So this is such an interesting thought, in my opinion, because typically the response I get when I ask this question is all over the board a lot of people will say well i'm not in sales i'm like well yes you are we're, we're all selling something the other thing that i'll get when i ask this question is people will say the thing they do they'll say well we're selling building a house at dcc or somebody will say we're selling go back to the previous example of dental services this is what we're mm-hmm. selling okay So what I, how I respond and I think about it, about square cow and the business that we built that where we move furniture around from place to place, nothing sexy about it. And I think about when people would call the office, you know what we never got? We never got someone who called us and said, you know what, man, crazy. I thought I was ordering a pizza. I actually called you guys by by mistake, but now that I got you on the phone, we're going to go ahead and move. Nobody ever does that.
0: Mm.
1: Nobody ever goes to squarecowmovers.com, the shape, the animal, two O's and movers.com. And it was like, we just stumbled onto this site. No plans up till today to move, but now we're going to move. No. By the time they call, by the time they get to the website, they already know what they need. They already know. So quit trying to sell them on something that you know they need and they know they need. That's not what they're calling for. When they call or when they walk in the doors of your business, <clears throat> for that business, we're selling trust. We're about to send a crew of people into the most intimate parts of your life, your master closet, your children's bedroom. They are going to be taking your daughter's crib apart and putting it back together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want you to have the feeling, and this is the words I always used. I want our clients to have the feeling that we're going to send guys to their home that they would want to invite to Christmas dinner. That's what I want. I want them to have, when they hang up the phone, they say, man, I feel good about this company. And then they just totally, they don't even think about it again until the day that our guys show up. That's what you're selling. You're selling that you can trust this company. So what does that mean? That means the words that you're using the tonality that you're using is all geared towards, hey, I want to let you know, hey, here's who we're sending, sending on the day. The, all these guys are our guys. They're W-2 guys. No subs, temps, or day laborers. They're, they're all full-time employees. that They've all been trained. We actually have a, a training program. It's four modules. They're, they've all been through it. And so we want to let you know that these are guys that we know and when they knock on the door uh, the morning of, their shirt tails are going to be tucked in, their truck's going to be clean, and they're going to be there to work. And so they're excited about getting out there and serving you. You know what we always say, ma'am? If there weren't th- if th- things weren't heavy and there were no stairs, we'd be out of business. So they're excited about working hard that day. Hmm. You think about those words. Very simple. It took 20 seconds for me to do that. First of all, all that's true. All, you know, if things weren't heavy and there weren't stairs, we would be out of business. Uh... You know, our guys are there with the expectation they're going to work hard that day. When they show up, they're absolutely required to show up with their shirt tails tucked in and they are required to have a clean truck. So all of it's true. That's important. The second thing is all of that is focused on this subconscious thought that when I hear what that guy is saying on the phone, when I see the guys and how they take care of themselves and what the truck looks like subconsciously, I think to myself, they take care of themselves, they're going to take care of me. All in an effort to send one message, and that is, you can trust us. It's all very intentional. And so most people, when they talk about their business, they talk about what they do, and they don't spend enough time focused on how they make people feel.
0: Okay, so the next point, point number seven, embrace the phrase, not in this family. Yeah.
1: What's that all about? This is one of my favorites, and this has been something I've developed just over the last couple of years. Um, lost my mom two years ago. Let's see here, September twenty-one, so right at two years. Mm-hmm. And when you lose someone that close to you, you go into deep reflection mode. And hopefully, you guys have not had to experience that, but you do. You reflect a lot on the things they said, and the things that they did, and the part, the impact they made in your life. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember just getting furious about when I was young was that statement, you know, and I would say, well, hey, mom, you know, you know, everybody's going down to the arcade on Saturday night. They're going to stay out late. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad (laughs) they are. They're going to have such a great time. And then she would follow it up. She would say, but in this family, that's not what we do on Saturday night. You know, we're not we're not going to do it. Hey, but every, you know they're doing this big sleepover and this, that, and the other. And and I think some adults are going to be around, you know, but it's still in question like, Oh, you know what? They're going to, I'm sure they're going to have fun. And I I really, I think those kids are, are probably pretty good kids, but in this family, that's, that's not the kind of behavior that that we do. Okay. This is an important thought when you're trying to lead an organization, because there is going to be people in the organization that aren't, quite going to understand why you're asking them to do some things, especially little things. And you say, well, I've been in the construction industry for 20 years. No one's ever made me take a picture of my receipt and turn it in. I love that line. Or I, I, you know, I, I don't have to check on a sub every day. I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I trust these guys. Yeah. And what you have to say is, Hey, you know what? I, I can't speak to the construction Companies that you've worked for in the past. And from what I hear, they do great work. I'm so glad you're here with us now. But in this family, this is how we do it. Again, this is a statement that's very nuanced because it says a few things. It says this we're distinct, we're different. And instead of fighting it, we're embracing it. We're embracing the fact that we're different. You know, the word that I've been using lately, especially with my children, we're uncommon. I don't want you to be like all the other kids. I, you're uncommon. You are special. You, the, this family, we, we just we just operate a little different. And that doesn't mean that that family's bad, and we're going to judge them. But in this family, this is what we do. This is what we do on Sunday mornings. This is how we handle things when, when you know your friends are doing all these things, and we just that's just not our jam. That's not how we're going to handle it. Here's the way I look at it, especially as it relates to family. And I know I'm getting off into some family stuff, but we spend our lives going through all these intersections, right? And here's the deal, man. With my kids, there's a lot of them we just blow right through. Social media is one. All three of my kids have social media. Mm -hmm. Just blew right through that intersection. But every now and then we'll get to an intersection. For us, one of them was sleepovers. We're not going to do sleepovers. You know what? Feels kind of like a silly thing, but read quite a bit of uh you know counseling data and some information about things that happen at sleepovers throughout a kid's life and we just feel like it's not great for our family okay we so where your kid goes to somebody else's house that's right yeah yep. no, I'm, I'm on the same page yeah you said hey we know a lot of kids who sleepovers, it's just not something we're gonna do now you can stay late we'll come get you late but we're just not gonna we're not gonna do that okay This is the intersection we decided to stop at. Mm -hmm. We said, we're going to stop at this intersection. We're going to take a left turn. And we know most people are, you know, they're just heading right through that intersection. No worries. That does not make them bad. But here's the deal. The intersections that you decide to stop at for your family, these are the things that make you distinct. This is what defines you. If you blow through every intersection, you're just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And nothing makes you special. Nothing makes you different. Nothing makes your family distinct every now and then we're going to blow through 10 six, but every now and then we're going to stop and say, Hey, you know what? One of the ways is, you know what? The, we live in an affluent area. No teenagers work. Well, my kids have jobs. I work. I had two jobs when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? It's okay that Johnny doesn't have to have a job and it's okay that Chris doesn't have a job and Angela doesn't have a job, but in this family work ethic, is a value system and we're not blowing through that intersection. So my son who can't even drive, he finds the only place within 10 miles that'll hire a 14 year old and start working at 14 at Papa Murphy's.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's, he's figuring out how to make pizzas and ring people up and Good for him. It's, it's, awesome. but this is a value system. Now there's 10 other things we blew right through that we messed up on or we just ignored or whatever. But when it came to working, we stopped Sure. And it's like, hey, this is a value system. This is who we are. This is what makes you different and distinct. Embrace it. Love it. And so we think that's really important. So when we say, hey, but in this family, it's things like that. Hey, we know all these kids don't work. We think that's cool for their family. Honestly, mom and I could afford to give you whatever you want. That's not the point. It's not that we don't have the money. We think having a, a strong work ethic is really important. So in this family, we're workers. And so those are the kind of things we focus on with the family. And what I think we do as an organization, too. We know all those businesses you've worked for in the past don't think this is important. We do. Hey, boss, why do I got to tuck my shirt in? Hey, we know that's a small thing. We want you to embrace it. In this family, it's important. That's the idea.
0: That's awesome. Wow. i have to get you back on and talk about family. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get a, a lot of experience there. Okay, so the next one, achieve clarity
1: over calamity. So, and I actually wonder, I kind of think I may have switched this one out. I don't think I talked about that. Um, You know what I I said at the meeting? I changed it to what you tolerate, you promote. Oh, okay. That's what Mm -hmm. it was. So... Is that the one? It's the same idea. Okay. Well, so to so what you support. tolerate, you promote. Here's okay. the idea. Yeah. And this is the one that, you know, I think somebody should get a tattoo of. What you tolerate, you promote. Here's the idea. Go ahead. it would be great. <laughs> if you allow one person on your team to be late, you're promoting to your entire team. It's okay to mm-hmm. be late. Mm-hmm. If you... Don't think it's important to turn paperwork in or put payroll in on time. You're promoting to everybody it's not important. This isn't a small infraction. This is an enormous advertisement for doing things the the, the way they should not be done. And so what we tend to do is, and we tend to do this especially with our best people, we cut corners for them. And, and, and you're just like, man, but this guy produces so good and and it's understandable. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing to run the risk. The fact that you're, you are basically marketing to your entire organization that it's okay in this area to not live up to the standard. You might as well not have a standard when it comes to that. Yeah. And so it's sometimes worth it. It's sometimes worth dying on that mountain. Mm -hmm. Because we all can't maintain the highest standard all the time. But I think the idea is choosing where you cheat becomes really important. Sure. And so being intentional about it is really, really important because what you tolerate, you promote. It's a simple idea, but it has really, really big ramifications in most organizations. And most people aren't deliberate about... Where those lines are drawn—that's the idea. That's I mean, like with you know we're on the subject of family. I mean, that's like with
0: kids too. I mean, in in behavior, it's you know what you tolerate in behavior is what's that's they're going to keep continue to do. It. It, it's like you got to kind of nip it in the bud early, and I don't mean like come down hard. And, yeah, and like communicate on, the standard. But right, yeah, it's, right. it's it's
1: accountability. That's exactly right. It's accountability. It's that's you
0: true. have a standard and and. This, this is what the standard is. It applies to everybody. Right. It doesn't matter who you are, what your title is. Like, this is, uh, and, and I think the biggest one for me, at least right now, is uh, trash, cleanup, job site, yeah. cleanliness, and organization. Um, not a lot of people like to do it. Right. It seems like it's just, oh, you know, so-and-so will handle that later, you know. It, and it's like, no, you know, we actually had a meeting about this the other day. It's, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, so and so over here is not your maid, right? I was you about know. to say the guy we paid to clean it up doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's his job, sure. Yeah. Like we have we have people there that that handle a lot of the cleanup effort, yes. But he's not your maid, right? You know, clean up after yourself. If when you're at home, do you you know when you make a mess, do you just do you leave it or do you clean it up? You know, like you should you should act like this is. You know, you, you do your work and you leave, but you want to leave it in a way like nobody knew you were here.
2: Right. You know. Clearly, you've never been to any of our contractors' houses. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess you're right. I guess yeah, that's probably very accurate.
0: But that that's kind of the the struggle I'm going through is is. But you, you have a standard, and it, and it should apply to everybody. It doesn't always, but it should. And it's like you, you know, even I. I'll go outside and I'll pick up trash because it's, it's the one thing like when they see you do it, that's right. Then they're going to know like, okay, this is, this is important. Right. It's not just something we, we hire somebody to do to, to handle for them. It's, you know, if they, if, if they see you do it, then they're, they're going to be more conscious of it and they're, and they're going to, handle it hopefully that's the idea but so and i'll add
1: on to that this and this is something that i told you guys at all hands the the reason that i wanted to meet with david originally was because i had been watching the dalglish brand for over 10 years and the brand stands for detail and a high standard and that's the brand Okay. When we talk about brand, the brand, this is my perspective. David would probably maybe articulate it differently, but for me, high detail and, and, and high standard. Okay. It's rare that a high level of detail and a high standard includes a disruptive mess on a job site. So when I pass by one of the houses with a Dowlish sign out front, I watched. I looked for the way the job site was kept. Other people are doing the same thing. This was years ago before I met any of you guys, before I met David. I was watching as just an average consumer out there. Other people are watching. And it's your job to remind the entire team, even if their house is a mess, this house isn't. And if you're the leader on the job site, you set the standard and this is who we're gonna be. We are going to maintain the brand. We are not gonna lie to the public Mm -hmm. because the brand stands for this and we're gonna walk that out. It's your job on that site to make sure that standard's maintained. Okay, so the
0: next one, find the dead spots. What's that?
1: Yeah, which number is this? That's number nine. Is it? Okay. Hmm. He's like, how many more of these do I have left? No, 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 no. I I couldn't remember. No, no, no. I I don't mind at all. Yeah, so um I stole this from a from a pastor. I was listening to a sermon, and he he used this illustration in a different way, but in a in a in a in an adjacent way. Um this is about human nature. And this is this is about individuals. This is less about um a collective group or an organization, but I do think the illustration applies and I think that it, I think that it, it really defines how we're wired, all of us. And it's about an irrigation system in someone's yard. Mm -hmm. And if you have an irrigation system, it's amazing. These are the, these are the unsung heroes of landscaping. This is the offensive line, right? Of landscaping because it pops on in the middle of the night. It waters your yard, and you 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 don't even think about it. Your your yard's just green, unless you're in Central Texas. You're in a drought, which at one point you're doing something rather illegal. Mm. But we're gonna we're gonna skip over that fact. I call it the offensive line because when do you pay attention to the offensive line? Oh, when football, it's not working. When they're messing minutes, up. When they're messing up. Yeah. When it's not working. Then you see the replay, and you see. This guy isn't blocking for anything. He's terrible. You go out in your yard. You have a huge dead spot right in the yard. You're like, what is happening? So on a Saturday, you flip your irrigation system on. All the heads pop up. And sure enough, one head is watering the sidewalk instead of the yard, right? Yeah. This is happens. This, actually, I adjusted. I replaced an irrigation head this past weekend and adjusted another one for the same reason. And um, you have a dead spot. And you had to adjust towards it. And this is exactly how we're wired as humans. Um, the number one thing is we're really we're really bad at noticing the dead spots. We, you know, how many times I pull out of my garage. You know, my brother-in-law used to say that he thinks the garage door was like the worst thing to happen to communities around, around the world. Because people just pull in, they hit the garage door, it closes, and people don't interact. But how many times do I just pull out of my garage? I don't even look at my yard. I just, you know, and okay. So first of all, we don't notice the dead spots in our lives. We don't notice the things that were for me. I'll tell you, you know, you know, one, a couple of beers and enough truth. You know, (laughs) guys get a lot out of me. Um, I'm a really impatient person and I struggle with empathy. I'm not, I'm really, I'm, these are things that do not come naturally to me. These are dead spots for me. And I think a lot of people have them. I think everybody has these dead spots and patience and empathy is one of these that I think men especially are, are really struggle with on a, on a high degree. Yeah. The other thing that we're not great at, we're not great at, at adjusting to them. And so here's what that requires. It requires me to recognize I have a dead spot. It requires me to be very intentional about adjusting towards that dead spot and saying, Hey, this is kind of who I am. And it's kind of an ugly thing. And I've got to be better for the sake of my marriage, for the sake of my children, for the sake of the people that work for me, that work around me, for the sake of my neighbors, for the sake of my friends. I really need to be. And so my quest probably over the last maybe six or seven years for towards self-awareness has been one that's been really, really difficult and challenging for me. Because it requires you to really look at who you are. And then mm-hmm. you're like, man, I'm kind of terrible. I'm kind of an awful person. Well, the process of that, you see these dead spots, but the result of it is you start adjusting towards them. And nothing helps you adjust to, to dead spots more than children. Yeah. If you have the the benefit of having children, yeah, that's true. these little demons <laughs> really require you to look at who you are as a person and and adjust towards these 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 kind of ugly parts in your life. And so finding the dead spots, A, adjusting towards them, B. That's the
2: idea.
0: Oh to push back a little, I, I think it's not so much finding the dead spots that's hard, it's a it's the adjustment. Right? I think sure. I think in many cases well you can clearly see what the dead spots are it's
1: it's addressing them that's the hard part sure right yes i i do agree with you but i know enough people where i'm like you just aren't aware of how you impact other people because okay. you um, you would not act this way otherwise sure. and so i do i do agree with you i think you're a self-aware person and i think a self-aware person does things like a podcast and asks questions i think someone who's inquisitive that has kind of a socratic Methodology of asking questions is inherently self-aware. What I'm not willing to concede is that everybody has that. I think it's either learned or you're naturally kind of uh, predisposed towards being. That's fair.
0: And I appreciate the, the compliment. Yeah.
1: Um, all right.
0: So, not that anybody's counting. Yeah, this, I'm not. Yeah. This is the last point. Okay. Finish strong. So how, how are we going to finish strong?
1: You know, this is such a sim- simple concept that almost doesn't need explanation. Um, this is something that I mentioned to David months ago as being a, uh, something that's a bit of a philosophy at Square Cow. And he said, hey, Wade, we really need to emphasize this at the all hands. It's going to be a big part of our, our talk anyway. And so you'll be echoing some of the some of the things that we're already trying to do and so here's what we realized statistically again I talked to you guys earlier about how I know I do not have data yet with home care well' at square how we did here's what we knew damages to people's home household goods happened in the last 20% of the unload the last 20% you know why because you're tired it's late at night a lot of times you're finishing that move it's 10 o'clock at night yeah. And people, when they're tired, when they're fatigued, you work out, you know, the last few reps of that deadlift are is when you're most, it's your highest likelihood of getting injured because your form goes with fatigue, mm-hmm. typically. Yeah. And so this happens in organizations all the time. And um, so what we did was we got in the back of the truck, we got this huge banner that just said "Finish Strong," and it actually had two giant, like Hulk size fists that said "Fist Bump Finish." <laughs> and the guys, this is such a silly thing. And this, and this banner cost us a couple hundred dollars. Sure, but as they start taking boxes and they start taking chairs and items off the back tier, we call it a tier in that industry. They start pulling in, They start seeing that banner. And it's talking about finish strong. All right, guys, we're almost there. Here we go. We're not going to screw up right now. We've worked this hard all day long. Everything's gone great. Let's finish this job strong. You're reinforcing this idea. Of we're, we have worked so hard to get here. Why would we spiral mm-hmm. in terms of the standard at this point? And the guys literally would get, take the last item off the truck and all three, four guys would go fist bump the back of the truck. It's the silliest thing you can imagine. Sure. But it's a reinforcement of such an important cultural idea, which is don't, which is to land the plane safely. Guys, I believe this is more fitting for your business than it ever is for any business I've ever been in. I agree. The construction industry, everything's going great. The first when, when framing's going on, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> foundation gets poured, framing's going on. It's so exciting. You can see the way the rooms are shaping up. Everything's cool. Like it's that last 20% where the client's tired of writing checks and the guys are there, you know, and they're, they're just done. And then the guys are tired of being there too. Mm-hmm. This friction typically creates hasty urgency, not, not detail and slow it down, get it right, land the plane safely. And the idea is, what do we have to do to make sure that we are going to take care of this client to the same level from start to finish? We said at Square Cow. They would answer the phone on the call center and they would, they all wear these shirts. And say the move starts here. Okay. Cause we had to emphasize to our call center, they, they felt left out of the process because they weren't moving furniture. Like, no, 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 the move starts when you answer the phone. Mm-hmm. So from the, from what we would say is from the time we answer the phone to when the last item comes off the truck, we're going to be the best there is. Nobody in town will beat us. We will be the best from the time we answer the phone to the last item comes off the truck. This mentality has to permeate. Through, your, through DCC as well, from the when the client walks in the door to start talking about a house to when the last nail goes in the wall or whatever it is, the last thing that happens, we have to maintain the same standard. We have to finish strong. This is who we are. We will not compromise or concede one ounce.
0: So a question, I guess, for both of you, how does that mentality that finish strong, how does that carry over? Because I think that's something that a lot of people through I mean, really, through any industry, but if we're just focusing in on construction, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Is right the the finish out, the punch, the you know the move in process. How do we finish strong? Like, what does that look like? How are we? You know, you said you had this banner as basically to serve as a reminder. I mean, what's what's our banner when we get to the end of a job? You know, this figurative uh, banner that's reminding us. To finish strong, what what do you think that looks like?
2: I have a, a thoughts, but I'll uh, kick it easy f- first and foremost. Setting the right expectation for everybody. Yeah, um, you know, if if someone's going to move into a house, what are they going to expect when they move in? Is it totally finished? Is are there other things going on? And then paint that picture for them out in front that. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you can expect. I think setting the expectation first is absolutely the most important because then you're following the roadmap from that point on and deviating from that roadmap is where you create the frustration.
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean, and you have. First-hand experience with this, you just
1: had a. To... Well, that's why I try not to be too specific. About <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Let's play it safe here. Yeah. You're through that right now. I mean, you know, I have, a, I have a antidote or a thought, and it's and again, it's not related to the construction. But uh, I remember years ago that um, the president CEO of UPS every Christmas holiday would go down to and load trucks, right? Mm-hmm it's the busiest time for those guys they're working all hours and the owner would go and insert himself into the worst time of the year okay and there would be a collective celebration about this guy coming down from you know his ivory tower and sweating with the guys right i don't know what it looks like on a construction site but there has to be some collective excitement or celebration around how we finish. And and when you think about being distinct, the idea that I have is nobody finishes like we finish. Like we we embrace this time. Most people are ready to get out. We love, we love this time. This is when we shine. The culture that surrounds it is like, this is where we're distinct. This is where we're different. Everybody can frame a house, everybody, but we finish like nobody else. Again, I haven't been in y'all's industry very long. I don't know what I'm talking about, but there is something about this, like looking the worst part of life in the eye and saying, I'm going to celebrate this. I, we will win this. You will not, you will not beat me that people get behind. And it's the hardest part, but how do you kind of create this energy around, um, that last part? And I don't know how to do it, but if you can, man, I think it would be awesome.
0: I'm gonna to try to throw in a fitness analogy,
1: so oh, this, we'll you know, we'll see how this goes.
0: But uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a movie uh, called Pumping Iron, and in that movie, he talks about chasing the pump. So, what's that, re- that he's referring to is like you're, you're doing a, you're doing a workout. Let's say you're doing curls, mm-hmm. all right. He's he's definitely known for his his biceps, right? Mm-hmm. So he's doing curls. So the, the pump, chasing the pump, what he's talking about is like on the latter part of your set, you, you know, your your muscles are, are full of, of blood and oxygen and they start to hurt. And you're you're pumping as much blood as you can into that muscle because you're you're breaking down the muscle fibers, right? Mm-hmm. You're actually causing causing damage. But that's where the most most growth happens. Mm. So that's when he says chase the pump, it's like when you get to that point where you're you're getting to failure and it's it's really starting to burn it's starting to hurt. It's like keep that's going. The best part, keep going, right? Because that's that's where the growth happens, right? Exactly. Same so way. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like at the end of the job, every, like you said, everybody's tired. Everybody's wanting to get out of there. The owner, the owner wants you out of there. You want to get out of there. All the trades, they're done. They want to get out. Neighbors want you out of there. <laughs> <Parking>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the neighbors. Right no like nobody wants to be involved anymore but that's the part where maybe you know the most the most growth can happen um you know whether that's uh through a leadership initiative or or something but you know that's that's the last part of the set that you're that you're pushing that's where you need to push the hardest absolutely right that last 20% last part of the job you need to push the
1: hardest chase the pump that's it. That's, a, that's a, exactly that's the, the idea. Is. That's absolutely the idea. And I don't know how exactly to to accomplish that, but I do know that if you're able to, it'll be powerful. It would be significant. And there and I again, I think there's something about articulating what makes you different as an organization and being able to say, we're distinct here. This is where we're different. We do this different. People are attracted to that. Agreed. Well, I I appreciate you coming on. I, your
0: last episode I just wanna say I, I received more phone calls and text messages and and other forms of communication from people about your last episode oh, wow. just saying how wonderful it was. It's very nice. And um my kids are are huge fans of yours. <laughs> we need to get them I, checked oddly out. Oddly enough. <laughs> they uh yeah, no, I come home and they're like Oh, uh, I, I want to listen to Wade Lombard. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? My kids would absolutely echo that sentiment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he's a great guy, but, you know, <laughs> we, there's plenty of other things we could do. It's like, oh, I want to listen to, I want to listen to that episode. I want to listen to Wade Lombard. Like, okay. Nice. So my daughter says hi before we came here. She's like, I was like, do you know who I'm going to go see today? She's like, no, I'm going to go
1: see Wade Lombard. <gasps> she was super excited. Well, she wanted me to tell you hi. I'm so. flattered. She seems like a very sweet and naive young lady. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is both. But no, I, uh, I appreciate your time, Wade. Uh, thank you for coming back on and, and finishing this this discussion. So you're always
1: welcome here. I appreciate you. Can't wait for the next one, man. Let's talk family sometime. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That'd be okay. great. Cool.
1: Thanks. Thanks.
0: We hope you enjoyed this discussion. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow us on Instagram. We want to hear from you, so leave us some feedback to help us shape future episodes.